You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back into another edition of The Kickabout here on The Blue Room. I'm your host, Rob Vera, joined this week by Matt Jones. And for the first time in a while, the old lady herself. Uh, oh, wow. Kate. Kate James, Kate James Riley. It's been a while. I can't remember what was the order of your name. It's like, why does it always have to be like this? You're so mean. I'm, I mean, no, you know, I, I just, I just got introduced as normal. I didn't get any passing. You know, this is exactly. this is sexism in action, isn't it, Katie? Here on the blue room, you know, I mean, like we should start this again. Although, mate, you did laugh, so I'm not saying you're complicit, but you did just laugh your yeah. head off. So, hmm. well, it's more like, your reaction than what Rob said. <laughs> I, I'd like to point out, I did call her the old lady. I mean, she is an exalted figure here on the blue room. You I'll know. have that. That's all good. Yeah, yeah, I respect my elders. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh, oh my God. Please put the spade down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know I love you. You know I'm messing with you. Um, how's it going, guys? Uh, other than your usual complaining about how hot it is in Liverpool, uh, which I just, I know it's all relative, but, you know, it sounds like you're you're trying not to melt. But, you know, you guys are... Getting, I love that you're getting out. Uh, you're playing in the playing in the backyard, or you're going to the beach. It, it sounds like you're enjoying enjoying your your hot steamy time relatively well. It's good. I'm just here for Matt's hair. I'm just, it's just getting <laughs> bigger. I was ripping my own there for doing the whole kind of Monica from Friends in Hawaii thing. I'm going to end up having to get braids, but I think Matt, you're literally just behind me, really. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not far off now. It's it's getting insane. I've got four weeks still. I'm going to be able to get a cut. <gasps> four weeks still? Um, yeah. You're going to look like Cousin It with a pair of headphones on? 
Wait, so why do you have to wait four weeks to get it cut? Um, two reasons. Um, because I don't trust Chelsea to do it. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost. Fair. And I usually get mine done by uh, Chelsea's mum, who owns her own uh, salon, um, a beauty salon and hairdressing. And I'm not allowed to get a cut anywhere else other than that, because last time I went to a normal shop and got a cut, apparently it wasn't very good. So now I have to have um, Chelsea's mum, Jill... Uh, if anyone's in Chippenham wants to get the haircut, do go do go down and check out uh, a salon. Uh, <laughs> Chippenham, yeah, big, bigger than all. Do you know Chippenham, Kate? No, not in the slightest. I was going to say. I was going to say. Uh, I was being supportive. <laughs> but but yeah, so that that's why effectively I don't trust Chelsea to do it, and she doesn't trust anyone other than her mum to do it. So we're seeing them in. In fact, it's three weeks tomorrow. We're seeing them. So. Many of our yeah. listeners will have astutely noticed Matt speaking in marriage speak, where lots of sentences begin with, I'm not allowed to, and then whatever. Um, I'm not allowed to get my hair cut except for, no, I, I, th- Matt, I'm with you. I know how that, I, I'm, I live that life every single day, buddy. I, I totally it's, understand. Yeah, but at the moment, because it's so hot, it's just, you know, you'll notice Kate having hair. Um <laughs> I no. feel very. I feel very attacked. Have that, Rob. Have that, Rob. Yeah, from the old I feel, lady. I feel. I feel very attacked by the old lady right now. Her, her, scru- her scruffy friend, Matt. The old, the old lady, the old lady and cousin it. Uh, <laughs> Makes me a but, uh, Halloween down. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. But it's because it's so hot at the moment. It's just like there's no volume, so it just so it just sticks to my head, and then the the bottom like just goes curly. So it just looks, it just looks, it just looks horrendous. But as if you, you haven't know. opted for like a, a like a, a footballer's esque um, lazy hairband, you know, just like the strip. I have of got, a, I've got, a, I've got like a headband which I wear. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Matt, um, all metrosexual over yeah, there with your headband. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not like a thin like Alice band though. It's like, oh. it's sort of like a snood sort of thing which you can pull up. Oh, uh, like the whole yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah. Matt, do you have the really fancy? Do you have one of those really fancy headbands? Like, who is that Newcastle player that the Athletics Keith Azul has informed us reliably is a oh, main Alan, target for everything? Alan Saint Maximum. <laughs> what is his bit? Like, he has these super expensive He's got a Gucci headband, headband doesn't he? Gucci yeah. headband. Oh my god, that's amazing. It's designed you, there, you, it's cool. If he if he signed for us, you can guarantee there will be people outside Goodison with those stalls. Who are selling them to fans like the old Fellaini wig sort of thing? Oh, the Fellaini wigs! Mm-hmm. I, you know, <laughs> I got a question. The is the it, this is just I'm really just genuinely curious uh, in in hindsight or in retrospect or whatever. Is wearing one of those Fellaini wigs, given his nationality and everything else, is that racist? Is that kind of weird or? Is does it, it kind does of it like, fall into cultural appropriation? Is it a yeah? Mm. Is it adjacent to blackface almost? Mm. Like I can't quite tell. It's mm. it's a tough one. It is. Yeah. Things have changed so much, haven't they? You know, just yeah. over the last couple of years. That yeah, that might yeah. be construed a lot differently now. I think if you have yeah, to ask yeah. the question, you probably are yeah. best to just avoid it. But yeah, I mean, at the right. time, look, I look, I got it because his hair was just such a fun feature. But you know, he was also really good. So it was, I, it was, I don't it was know fun. the answer to that question. Yeah, that's fine. Well, look, if I, I will say that if I could get a, a wig like Matt's hair right now, uh, I would like to. I feel like 
I feel like someone someone who has some photoshopping skills. I would love to get a photo of me with Matt's hair, you know, and or conversely a photo of, of Matt with my with my lack of hair, oh like a ball, like some kind of scalp switching app or something like that. I think that'd be pretty cool. That's like, totally uh, a thing. So I've not seen my ears for for years, so it'd be mad. Oh, God. Nice. It's so exhausting listening to people brag, brag about their hair problems. When I was younger in school, um, like a bizarre amount of people, this one was about 10 or 11, used to say I look like Gary Lineker when I was a child. Because I have got like, my, my ears actually stick out a little bit. So this, maybe it's just like subconsciously buried it inside me for so long that I need to grow long hair so I don't get people saying... You look like Gary Lineker with your big ears. <laughs> and it's just, you know, this is how it's manifested itself all these years on. Oh, do you know what my biggest regret is from COVID lockdown was not shaving my head in March. I'm 100% genuinely serious because no. my hair is destroyed anyway because I diet so much because I'm going grey at a speed of knots. But also because, <laughs> because the, like, the, the boy got to do his all the time and now he's gotten really, you know, like, really good at it and he's, he's like, every probably two to three weeks or whatever, he buzzes his head and I'm like, oh, <laughs> and now it's too hot. And my biggest regret, even if it was for charity, is that I didn't do it in March when I was, when I was in forced lockdown for, like, four months where I had to stay at home and, you know, you, you kind of get some time to, like, adjust to it. I genuinely would have done it. I'm really gutted in, I didn't. Yeah, I think I'm in like, the nicest way possible a bad well, idea. In the nicest way possible, <laughs> as well case i think you've got the right sort of shaped head to have your head shaved as well <laughs> look at rob getting up look, rob's just like oh look at me trying to steal his thunder it's like oh yeah. no can't rob, 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 <laughs> rob now is technically turned into larry david in curb where he only likes bald people and he only interacts <laughs> with other bald people well and he has more respect for for other people and then to, <laughs> I love it. to clarify to clarify larry david in curb he respects actual bald people, not people who choose to be bald. Yeah. I would be offended by someone like Kate with all her hair shaved <laughs> head. Because you're not a real bald. You're a, oh. you're, a, you're, a, you're a pseudo bald. That's a form of cultural appropriation yeah, right there, frankly. Uh, you can't, like, I mean, I, and I'm saying that pretty sure that I'm in the on the moral high ground here about it being cultural appropriation, I just want to say. Um, you know, I, I am someone whose life... Uh, who was born this way, uh, someone who has had to endure a real struggle. And I don't need people like you with your beautiful heads of hair deciding that you can just <laughs> for fun. It's like it's yeah, I think there was a Seinfeld episode where if you remember in Seinfeld, like George was the Larry David character. And there was an episode around a guy who had this beautiful hair, a head of hair and chose to be bald. And George was offended. He's like be like wearing fake glasses. I think he was saying it would be like wearing fake glasses or something like that, which tons of people do, by the way. It's an insult to those who are who are challenged uh, visually or, or blind or whatever. Um, yeah, but look, Kate, I, I there's a very it. there's a very small percentage. Well, look, I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't see it enough. But when I think of bald women who can pull it off, I think of literally two women. Sinead O'Connor and Sigourney Weaver in Alien 3. Uh, And that's about all I can come up with. Now, granted, maybe it's just because I haven't seen enough of it. But maybe there's a reason we haven't seen more of it. Maybe it's just not a good... But but again, it goes back to this idea that you you probably think I'm being like, am I being sexist by saying women shouldn't shave their head? No, I'm saying that no one should shave their head when they don't need to shave their head. (laughs) Uh, I shave my head because I look ridiculous if I allow my hair to grow out 
what hair I have just looks insane. So I ha- this is this is a form of you know normal maintenance. But unlike Matt, I can actually just shave my own head, and I've got no one telling me not to because you know I can't really mess it up. I mean, let's be honest. Marital privileges. If I cut it too short. Yeah. Well. But she no, she's just, at a, she's at a point now with me where she she keeps saying it's too long now as well. So we're just sort of in this this you know. Matt, Matt, I've got I've got news for you, buddy. Welcome to marriage. It's never gonna be. It'll never be. It'll always be something, and it's a moving target. Wake up one morning and Chelsea's just shaved your head in the night. She won't do that. She thinks the idea of being shaved, and the thing that probably annoys her more is if I go to say, "Look, I can put it back in a ponytail now," and like that, that properly knocks her sick. It's like. She hates like tie back hair and top knots and, and that sort of stuff. So Mad I think she's run. Yeah. Can you go full David Beckham at Real Madrid with it? I could probably tie it back now. Yeah, but yeah. it's because my fringe is still quite long. It's uh, <laughs> it, that that just hangs down the front and the rest of it's there. So I'd have to like chop. I mean, this is a mad conversation to be having on an acting <laughs> podcast. But <laughs> welcome to the kickabout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think I need to. I think I need to trim my fringe a little bit and then just just lash it all back. Yeah, but I could probably tie it back. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, the rest of me does not look like David Beckham, so it wouldn't be quite the same. <laughs> me neither. Davoed. <laughs> Breaking news: Kate does not look like David Beckham. Uh, yeah. Although, I mean, yeah, sh- shave your head, Kate. You know, he did that as well. To be fair. Exactly. I can wear a sarong. Be fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, theoretically, y'all can do <laughs> anything. I just I would advise against it. But um, get, Dave, get David as makes to form the, the next biggest boy band in the world as well, and you're halfway there. You know, you're laughing. Oh my god, imagine it! I wonder if we'll ever see another era like the '90s with the whole like Spice Boys and stuff. I'm sorry that I had to mention the shites, but um, you know where they were like they were elevated to like a new platform. Where they weren't, they weren't just famous within the football world. They were, they were celebs. They were grade A celebs. Do you understand that reference, Rob? The Spice Boys. No, I, I mean, I know the Spice Girls. So I'm assuming these were actual. And you said the shite, so I'm assuming these were <laughs> Liverpool players that mm. that got fancy boy band haircuts or something. It was the white suits, wasn't it, Matt? Well, or like the the Martin Bell looking suits. I don't yeah. know when even was that. It was, was 19, it like 1996 FA Cup final? I was going to say Liverpool six. Played, when Liverpool played Man United, yeah. and obviously it, it was more of a tradition back then than it is now. But the the teams in the FA Cup final would not only do a song which needs to come back. My God, I would love to see this Everton team probably do an FA Cup song more than win an FA Cup. Let's be honest. But so they used to get they used to always get cup final suits as well, Rob. So you know, typically they were quite standard, as you know you'd, you'd expect. I imagine if they came back now, it'd be a, a bit more mad again. But Liverpool went with all white suits. They were like cream, weren't they? Case yeah, they, they were like a, like a, a cream linen-y kind of mix, obviously with like a red tie. But yeah. um, it, was, it, it was like it, white white shirt, white tie, and like some little red that's right. linen. On yeah, the, on the yeah. Tie, like going diagonally across. Yeah. And they looked, they looked horrendous. And was this late 90s? 96. 96, so. yeah. So it's just at any time that they weren't on the pitch, it was like a catwalk. 
And uh, like people just went, well, obviously Liverpool went nuts for it. And because the Spice Girls had not long made their debut and stuff at the time as well. And then like the Posh and Bex things happened a little bit later on. And it was the kind of the, the catalyst and the first kind of... Um, uh, it kind of like psyche of, of the everyday person on the street of like pop stars and footballers. And it just it elevated their status so much, honestly. And then they were just in news bar every weekend getting pissed. See, when I think back to that period, I wonder with all the dressed all in white, that sounds very much like the uh, the notorious B.I.G. Puff Daddy music videos yeah, taking place yeah. on yachts back in the back in that yeah. time period, about 96, 97, 98, mm-hmm. you know. There wasn't like, quite as much like windswept stuff going on there with Liverpool players. Like in, in that video, yeah. like the, the jackets are open, aren't they? And like it, it's blowing in the wind and they're giving oh, it all yeah. that. Oh, it's yeah. such a good video. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, boys, the the uh, Backstreet Boys definitely had videos where they were w- were wearing all the white with the flowing jackets that were blowing in yeah. the wind as well. That was yeah. a big thing back then to have, yeah. you know, clothes that were stylish and yet could blow in the wind with beauty and grace. So remember the video that um, Blink One Eight Two did taking the piss out of all that. Oh yeah, all, all the a, small things. That was yes. it. Yeah, it was that song yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was fantastic. Oh. No, I I do remember music videos. They were part of, you know, me and Kate's greatest generation. Oh, um, my God. So. Do you remember where you were? Um, uh, once again, I'm so sorry. Um, that when Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson's Scream premiered in oh, the UK, yes. it was the first ever million dollar music video. Yeah. And they played it, it on big top deal of the pops too. in the UK. I remember, like, my eyes looked, must have looked like I was licking frogs in The Simpsons. My eyes were, like, this big, looking at the camera, like, oh, my God. I'm just devoted now that it was him. But, like, remember, yeah. again, that's a proper mid-90s thing where we used to get really excited about daft stuff like that. And the box yeah, music- was the best, best thing on TV. Music video premieres were a thing, especially back in Michael Jackson's heyday where he was making short films, uh, essentially. Um, yeah, it's uh, look. I've I've talked about this before, but it there's few more conflicting weird feelings than when uh, a terrible, awful human being made pop music that you really enjoyed. Um, I joke I joke all the time that uh, on my radio show uh, every week that I would love to play the Ignition remix by R. Kelly, which is a fucking banger of a song. But you know. He's he's a predator. He's a serial sexual a predator. And I just like don't get me wrong, like I you can't play music from the 80s and 90s and completely filter out bad people. But you have to draw a line at like I don't know, child rapists yeah, and the say that ones. <laughs> that's the one where that's like the line I've got to probably draw, but man, it's uh, that Janet Michael video was I remember at the time I feel like we were all wowed by the kind of cool liquid effects of yeah, it. And yeah. then uh, Busta Rhymes also had great videos like that where, you know, it was just like, how do they make this? Uh, how do they do this? Because it was like around the Terminator 2. Remember when Terminator 2 came out? That I thought no movie is ever going to have effects like this. And then they started incorporating that kind of stuff into music videos. And I thought it was pretty <laughs> sweet. So. Oh, it's class. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about um, what you're doing in terms of, uh, if, if you're doing any sort of traveling at all during this period, uh, it's, it's a weird thing because, uh, we, we kind of feel 
as you would imagine, kind of limited uh, to the travel that we can do. Um, and it's it's all kind of limited to what we can where we can drive to uh, and where we can get space and isolation or, or what have you. But um, and again, I, I don't know that I have a sense of where kind of lockdown restrictions currently sit at over there. So you may have to to refresh my memory. But um, over here, we're we're starting to finally because the the mask mandates have really kicked in here. The numbers are starting to go down in Oklahoma uh, finally, um, but I, we're we're still mostly at the, at the house. And uh, last Saturday, um, my wife suggested that we take a day trip, uh, and we just started driving. Uh, there's a famous. A uh, highway that's been referenced in American pop culture and music and movies forever called Route 66, which of course runs mostly through a lot of it runs through Oklahoma. So she decided that we would just get on Route 66 and just start driving. And that's you know, so the great. Cool. Well, the great the thing about Route 66, and this is a very American thing, though I'm sure there are things like this over there too. Maybe you'll have to kind of explain if there's a parallel here, but. Um, I don't think there is. Well, you got to six north. Hear me, hear me out. Like the idea, like America, definitely. I feel like America sort of invented or popularized the notion of the roadside attractions, which is just back in the day before the big interstate system. You had all of these old these highways that would take you from point A to point B in really circuitous routes because there was, you know, there was just no other way to travel, especially in more rural states like Oklahoma. And so Route 66 was a really long highway that extends, I believe it goes all the way to, I think it may go out as far as to Arizona, California. I'm not totally sure. I should know more about this. But it has one thing that Route 66 is known for. I think it's heavily featured in the movie Easy Rider and stuff like that. But one thing that Route 66 is known for is roadside attractions where you will stop in some podunk town because they have the biggest ball of, of, of twine in the world or they have... In the case of where I went this past weekend, I know, Kate, you saw it on my Instagram. Yes. We went to a town called Catoosa, Catoosa, Oklahoma, and their big claim to fame is this giant blue whale in the middle of this pond uh, that is... You know, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. You can walk up to this giant statue of this blue whale, and I don't mean like a anatomically correct blue whale, like you'd see on some David oh, Attenborough no. sort of thing. I'm talking about a cartoon-looking fudgy the whale sort of whale, but it's giant. It's blue, and we took a lot of fun pictures where it looks like my wife's getting bitten in half, and where you know we're just <laughs> mug, we're mugging down to these. Like we decided, she literally texted me that morning when I was out running an errand. She said, "We should go see the blue whale today in Katusa." I'm like, "Sounds great." I was so tired of being in this effing house, and I was definitely hitting one of my occasional kind of down cycle periods of just I don't want to call it despair but just like the sense that the walls are closing in and you're just there's nothing to do and you're bored and uh you know it's not like Everton are doing anything the transfer market I mean there's nothing going on of any note and so I just kind of hit a wall and then she came up with this idea so we just got in the car and we just drove we stopped in the middle of rural Oklahoma in this town called Wellston and ate 
the best barbecue I've had in years at this place called the Butcher Barbecue Stand. I mean, it was it was glorious. We had a great day. We even went to – I was going to ask you guys this before I because I definitely want to hear if you guys do anything similar to this. But I will ask really quick. Are you guys familiar with an old TV show called Mr. Ed? Yes. The talk, no. the talking horse. You are Kate. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh my god, did you sing the theme tune? I I know kind of the gist of the theme to, theme to it. <laughs> Kate's gone there. Yeah. So for here's an, here's another roadside attraction we stopped at on our on our day trip. Um, you can go visit the burial site of Mister Ed's, what? not Mister Ed, but Mister Ed's stunt double horse. <laughs> <laughs> how how spare is that by the way not even mr ed but mr. oh my ed, god stunt that double horse that, that, that is that is literally literally flogging a dead horse yeah <laughs> that is literally flogging a dead horse oh my so, good god uh i bet I the car post- park was rammed <laughs> Well, that was the weird thing. It's actually on these people's. It's actually on, located on this person's oh, private prop, private property, and let's just say. And so we ended up looking at it from the car. We didn't. We decided not to walk onto their property and go straight up to it because there were cars parked there. It looked like the people who own the place. They're you know it was parked there, and I'm sure that they host people to come there at times. But let's just say we were in a part of. America, where you don't just walk onto someone's property yeah. without permission. I'll just leave it at that. Um, that's, that's your only. That's your only clue if you don't know what I'm talking about. So I mean, um, you were so you were so subtle there with that clue. I'm not entirely sure what it might mean. Hey, look. The, uh, let's just say we're part. We're we're in part of the state where they're making America great again, mm-hmm. all day, every day. So guns, I love that your so. missus didn't didn't coin it as, "Hey Rob, let's go and see how fast we can run in in rural Oklahoma." <laughs> Hi, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we draw a line at our entertainment risk uh, of of having guns fired at us. But anyway, I, I've I've obviously done my normal rambling thing. Have you guys done? Do you guys do like I, I, Matt? I know you're big into you and Chelsea go on like. You go on hikes and you go running a lot. Do you uh, do you guys ever just take, get out of Liverpool for the day? Uh, you know, as a day trip, or there's usually like longer weekend or excursions. Or how do you guys break the monotony? We haven't really, to be honest. Like we went up to um, Ainsdale Beach today, which case case will know what I mean. Yeah, you, you probably yeah. won't, Rob. And, and like that's probably the furthest we've been hmm. together since this all happened. And that's about forty five minutes away in the car from ours, or forty five minutes on the train from ours. So that's not Crosby, right? Like that's a different. That's beach. further up. Not it's far, further up yeah. the coast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, you've got to go through Crosby to get there effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But it's. Yeah, I think with, with with Chelsea being in the job she's in, we've sort of ultra followed it as we should, and understandably, and so I've I've been the same. We've both been quite cautious about going out and doing things and being in bars and going the shop and and that sort of stuff, and being in places like on a train where there's, there's a lot of people around. And I've said this a few times actually. I think that. For for a lot of people, and certainly a lot of a lot of my mates that speak about COVID nineteen, it's it's just a concept and something you've seen on the news. Like she she's been there and seen people actually have it and and die from it, like on a regular day to day basis. So for her, it's a lot more real. And when she comes over and talks about it to me, it feels a lot more real as well. So I think we've been a bit more cautious, but we're sort of getting towards that that phase now where 
we are looking at doing things, you know, we're going to try and get to the Lake District, which is about two hours away uh, next weekend with the weather being good. But I mean, the, the one thing I, I would say, it's, it's, it's been positive that's come out of all this. And I know, I know Kate's been doing this as well, looking, looking at her Twitter feed and stuff like that, is that it's made me explore local area a lot more yeah. and see things mm. like, like when it was, when it was like the height of spring, like I, I you know, like we were, there's a point where we were only another side like an hour a day. Like I was going for like a little walk around Sefton Park, like developed like a little loop, which took about 45 minutes or so. And then if I wanted to go to the shop after that, I had time to, to get back and be a lot of hour. But like in Sefton Park, there's, um, there's basically a big pond with a lot of like wildlife on and stuff like that. Um, a lot of geese, uh, a lot of ducks, a lot of swans. And they were all, they all had like their offspring, like at that time. So there's loads of little like ducklings and goslings and cygnets knocking around. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is quite nice actually. And like, you know, like I thought I'd walk around the park and I'd look forward, I'd look forward to seeing like all these little animals knocking around. And, you know, if someone had said to me, at the start of this year, you know that that's going to be your highlight. You know, you're a newly you're a newly married fella in, in March. What you know what's what's going to be the highlight of your life at that point? You know, it's not going to be looking forward to your honeymoon or anything else that happens when you're newly wed. It's going to be making sure that you get get out to Sefton Park and see the ducklings knocking around and see how they're doing. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's not it's not just that. It's you, you know you you look at walks you can do nearby. Um, you go to see places you've never been. You take a different route every now and then as well. And because she's been working so much, I've been on my own a lot, so I've been able to get out and just just go for a walk and sort of like what you guys did, Rob, where you just say, right, I'm just going to go out today with no sort of general agenda about what I'm going to do. And just, you know, I usually turn right at this point, but I'm going to go left today and see what's there. So, yeah, not not quite branched out yet in terms of going to different places far away, but I think what this whole thing has done is made me really appreciate the area I live in now because L70 in Lark Lane, Sefton Park, is is absolutely fantastic place to be, I think. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you on the whole, you develop a sort of walking route or path or loops that you make. And, and I've certainly tried to appreciate things in my own area more, but to that same point, um, you know, I think that's the thing we've, we've had to kind of, uh, we've started to slowly extend our bubble out to further, a little further away where we could drive to, not that we're, you know, we're, we're about to take our first trip in a couple of weeks where we're actually going to go somewhere. We're going to drive to Colorado into the mountains, uh, Crested Butte, Colorado. So right in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, essentially, Amazing. we got like a Airbnb there so we can we're just going to road trip out there and just, you know, do whatever. We may do some uh, I think we're going to do some uh, kayaking, uh, like do oh, some river, gosh. some rip. You know, they've got like the river running through there and it'll be kind of cool. But awesome. that's if you, that's if you just, don't get sidetracked by some amazing store on the side of the road on the way there. Oh, yeah. there's all kinds of like that's the thing is on that route, you know, you got like you're going I, like what's con- the inter interstate 40, uh, you know, that route west. And there are all kinds of weird roadside uh, you know, bits where it's like something that's haunted or, or the, there is a Sounds definite amazing. culture of food challenges <laughs> all through, uh, that part of Texas. So for instance, there are in West Texas, if you're driving through that part of the world, there are these famous steak joints where they will have the big food challenge, which is, can you eat this? Uh, if you eat this, I think it's like some 90 something ounce 
porterhouse steak. Wow. And you can you can finish it, then you get your picture up on the wall and the food is free and all this kind of stuff. I mean, there's so many bits free out there. Attack. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, you guys couldn't live on our diet. I know that for sure. Kate, uh, I know, Kate, I know you're obviously big into getting around the city have you guys gotten out of the city a little yeah i've i've escaped i also upset my dad in doing so but hey ho um so we went into into kind of proper lockdown uh my middle daughter um only has a very small portion of her right lung left after an operation and so anything respiratory related is uh no batten down the hatches pay a cross on the door we ain't going out um and we did that for uh you know nine to 12 weeks or so and then realized i'm gonna have to let them see some daylight at some point so then we went out genuinely went out into the garden and stuff we did keep them inside the house for the first few weeks i was i was that nervous by it all um and, and like matt had said you know we seem to have gone through this natural kind of progression where we've gotten slightly more brave and that we've been out on bike rides so that we're getting some fresh air but we're staying away from people uh, and then just a couple of weeks ago we started going back over to my mom's place as well because she's got a bigger garden you know so the kids could play together there um, and then they spent a glorious week with their dad which means that I got some freedom which was also around the time of the off season as well so um, we actually headed up to Scotland for four days um, oh, wow. we booked a 500 year old cottage in the middle of Galloway Forest so we couldn't have been any further away from people if we tried wow. so it felt like we got out but but we genuinely we didn't even see the people who owned the Airbnb for like for, for th- the three days we were there <laughs> so um, it was and it was amazing but let me educate you on the highway system the M6 <laughs> runs the length and breadth of the country essentially right um and um where does it even connect you to kind of north uh south of birmingham m6 toll kind of way matt like wolverine yeah it goes it goes into the m5 doesn't it that's right yeah um heading towards oxfordshire but it'll it takes you right the way up to uh, just north of gretna green into scotland over the border um and the best thing about it is a dirty burger king when you're hung over Mm, um that's pretty much it that's all I've got. I mean, um, so yeah. What else and, do you need and, besides a whopper when you're drunk? So well, I guess. Exactly. an over, overpriced whopper as well. Apart, <laughs> Burger Kings in the service station are a lot more expensive than they would be in a in a normal shop. It's like in the oh. street or something. That said, the best thing that ever happened um, for me personally in a service station, which sounds like the really, really <laughs> wrong way to start the story. Uh, suddenly, I'm very interested. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell me what the other... I bought... Give me your top five service stations. <laughs> oh, this is going to be such a letdown. Um, I bought £28 worth of pick and mix at Junction 44 at Carlisle, and I ate it by the time I got home seven miles away. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah. It was one of those where like my teeth were itchy when I got in. It's like, oh, wow. I'm telling you, we I could bring Kate to one of these crazy food challenges yeah. in Texas. She can hoover down some oh, food. Oh, well right? up for that. <laughs> so yeah, so um and the other thing that we did, um, similar to what Matt was saying as well, just a little bit further away, is we stopped off at two places that for the last year I've been waxing lyrical about that I wanted to see. Um a place in Lancashire called Sunderland Point. Um, and I wanted to go over to Grange Oversands, which is like really old school in the lakes, like a kind of forgotten seaside kind of town. But they've got um, an Art Deco public lido on the waterfront, only it's gone to rack and ruin. It's been graffitied all over and, and the, the council have basically put like a load of hoardings and stuff around it to keep it safe. But behind the lido on the waterfront, there is nothing 
except a massive expanse of sky that goes right out over Morecambe Bay. And the next thing you can see is Ireland. And when you get a really dramatic sky with that Art Deco backdrop, it is absolutely breathtaking. So I got pissed off with looking at other people's pictures of it on Instagram. And I said to David, we're stopping there on the way. Uh, So I went and did that. And then I went out to a place, as I say, called Sunderland Point, which is um, basically on on par with Lancaster. Um, But it's one of the you wouldn't think so because it's just an expanse of, of land on a causeway where there's about 10 houses and that's it. But it used to be one of the biggest shipping ports at like like in the UK, basically just north of Liverpool. Um, and a young boy, um, a, a young black boy was brought ashore um, as, as part of the slave trade, they, they say, um, because he was poorly. Um, and he died on land and they buried him. They gave him like a Christian burial there. And I, I always wanted to see the story behind it. It's, it's fascinating because unfortunately back in the day, nobody would have bat- battered an eyelid. Um, but it turns out that, that he wasn't a slave. He was actually part of the ship's crew and that the captain wanted to make sure that he had an appropriate burial. And it's still there and people um, go on pilgrimage and stuff. So I wanted to see it for myself. So we're driving out over the causeway, which gets flooded out for 12 hours a day and completely cut off. And there was just a massive swallow murmuration going on over the causeway. Well, it was absolutely breathtaking. So it's little things like that where I feel as if for the last four months, all I've seen is like magnolia walls and shouted at the kids for touching stuff I've just cleaned. And then you go out and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) look at this sky. So it's just little things like that. So we went to Scotland because the lakes was basically booked by everybody. Um, And it was, it was lovely. It was so nice to get away. Um, and my dad's only just uh, forgive Scotland me. right now, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's away yeah. with the boys. Yeah. yeah um, nice. So I, I think my dad's only only just got his head around the fact that you know we've got to live a little. Um, and, and the next kind of conundrum now is that with International Weekend falling on, correct me if I'm wrong, fifth and sixth of September ish, first week of, weekend of September. I don't think the season um, doesn't start till oh, no, September 12th. Oh, 12. I thought it was 12th. No, maybe, maybe you're right. It's actually not figured it's the 12th, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Whatever. international. So internationals is the weekend before, at least the first one is the weekend before. Okay. okay. Um, at, least, at least it's happening before the season as opposed to normally what, week two or week three of the season. Apparently. See, this is the thing. Um, so there's a potential there for me to get another four days with David being off work because he hopefully won't be in. Um, if, um, if if the internationals go ahead and I really want to go to Italy but the amount of people who are saying to me you're being selfish you know and it's different because you're getting on a plane with people and you're going somewhere where the rules are different and I'm still coming back to my kids so I'm a little bit touch and go as to whether it's a good idea or not well you know what's funny is that I'm telling you guys about going on this trip to Colorado with my wife but I will probably for the most part keep I might keep a lot of it off social media and stuff and I won't really talk just because it, it, there are people and, and I think it usually comes from a good place uh, who are going to be kind of judgy about everyone's decisions right now. And, you know, again, we're 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 driving in a car and we're going to a really isolated place. You know, we're just, you know, but to your point, Kate, like, <laughs> You, there, there's got to be a point where you have to just get out. I mean, for me, all all I've done so far, I've been here and I've gone to, to Texas to see my family twice because my father is dealing with a, uh, a long-term illness that he was diagnosed with during all of this. And it's very, you know, so those have not exactly been, you know, vacation type yeah. trips. Those are, you know, more business, uh, you know, even though it's good to see family, but you just like I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to seeing a uh, seeing this you know seeing a different 
topography around me. I like mountains and the the sky and the air is going to be different. And uh, there's something about that 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 I imagine is is really uh, kind of soul quenching on some level. So yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, So I want to spend the last part of this time because we've got Matt on. I do want to talk about Everton a little bit. Um, Matt and I are going to be doing a transfer pod tomorrow. We're going to record it tomorrow evening, Matt, I believe. And it'll probably come out on Saturday. And I, I laughed when Matt first, I laughed earlier this week when Matt invited me to do it because I thought, there's nothing that will ensure Everton does absolutely nothing this week more than inviting, like setting up a transfer pod because we've we've always had that sort of weird symbiotic relationship yeah. with the transfer pod and Everton activity. Um, I think I joked last week on here um, at the very beginning of of my "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" show with Adam Jones and Mike that the the longest, me- scientifically speaking, the longest measurable unit of time is the time from the window opening to Everton making their first signing so i you know but i'm i i don't know if this way this way for you guys because look we we all you could argue that so much of everton twitter has bonded more over the years around the transfer stuff than they have over this over the actual play on the pitch right like it's because it's it's just sort of and it's why Matt I don't think Matt totally understands but embraces the fact that I love this time of I love <laughs> when it when it finally picks up like right now I, I'm, bo- I'm bored but I don't really like I, I don't care as much um, I'll care more when activity starts to pick up but I do think that I was really curious once the all this went down, the stuff that we've just been talking about with the, with, you know, kind of our priorities being shifted and, and our focus on, you know, maybe spending t- more time outside. And for me, even spending a little more time away from my phone and the computer and everything. Um, I, I, I haven't had the huge sense of urgency around Everton's transfer activity so far, but, and I'll come to you guys on this too. Um, it's a weird dynamic where the world feels different and yet because of the world being different we've never had a shorter off off what i call an off season which patty yeah. makes fun of me for using the word off season because I say any, anytime anytime i don't say the king anytime i don't use the king's english patty gets all you know in a twist about it but king patty. um yeah but like i you know when whenever this is a to me based on the sports i've grown up consuming the premier league has always had a short off season for me um a short break uh, it's even shorter this year so you would think and I'm, I'm sure there are some I've seen them online who are really uh, anxious and you know just amped up about why haven't we signed anyone yet and blah blah blah. I guess I'm just of the opinion, and maybe this was after reading that piece. Uh, God, it could have been an athletic piece. I forget who wrote it, but we're we're was brand it, was, it, was it Keith Azul or Rob? It might have been Keith Azul. Yes, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. But um, <laughs> I. I personally, and he's, he's what makes it fun, by the way. Um, but I think it was reading that piece that where Marcel Brands, I, I think it was the discussion of maybe a previous situation with, I don't know if it was Yeri Mina or someone else, but basically where he kind of came out and said that he actively works hard to avoid information getting to the media at a level that seems higher than what we've experienced in the past where we were pretty used to if there was a credible link 
the 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 three you know of Joyce Hunter and King would you know be briefed and whatever. I feel like a lot there's a lot less of that, and I've always kind of advocated for the idea that you know if we're if the person in charge is sort of doing their job, then we shouldn't be hearing about things, and we should be surprised when something finally happens. And I'm I'm sort of trying to take that that attitude or about the window so far. So, uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Uh, I know we're going to talk in greater detail about the window and needs, uh, with our, our guests that we've got tomorrow, but I, I wanted to know from, from you just generally, uh, with everything going on with your focus on more pressing issues like, you know, health and your hair and, you know, getting out to the lake and stuff. Uh, what, what, how are you, how is the current, uh, window and, and the, the lack of activity actually making you feel at this point, or do you even give it that much thought? Probably the latter, to be honest. I think that this, this spell we're in now more than any, and maybe it's just cause I'm getting older as well. And, you know, there's, there's more important things going on in the world. Um, but I'd say I'd probably scroll past Everton transfer stuff on Twitter this summer or the last few weeks more than ever. Like, honestly, the last few weeks, you know, don't get me wrong, if we're doing a show, I will read up on that before and then make sure I'm, I'm fully versed on it before we get to do the show. But say if we've recorded everything, say, say tomorrow night, Rob, we record that transfer show and then there's no show till Monday and something about Gabriel Magales comes up from a source in France which is being shared by, you know, Sport Witness or, you know, one of the other Everton accounts. I just scroll, I will honestly just scroll right past it. It's, like, like I said, I think it's just one of those things where there are there are bigger things going on in the world at the moment. And I think what, what we're seeing probably now as well in regards to what you said, Rob, you know, ultimately, you know, about four or five years ago, those three journalists you mentioned were the ones you could trust. And I think with the changes of the football club, with the changes in media, uh, with the changes in the way in which transfers are reported, that's unsurprisingly changing now. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, we, we joke about Paddy a lot on here, but people would people would probably put him and Greg now at the Athletic in regards to their report and their reliability yeah. ahead of those guys, if not, you know, sorry, level with those guys, if not ahead of them in some cases, you know. I think, I think a lot of people look at someone like Paddy and look at someone like Greg and say, well, I'm going to trust what they're saying as opposed to someone like Don King who writes for the Daily Mail. Like, that's that's that, that's what a lot of people will feel. And I think ultimately as well, Everton's, Everton's ownership now, and, the, you know, the club have got offices based down in London, there is going to be a lot more London-centric and Southern-based journalists who get more exclusives, you know. The one that stands out for me, which made me sort of think, you know, something might be changing here, was when the Richarlison deal was first reported by um, a journalist in the Met. Jason yeah. Burt, wasn't it? I think I'm, I can't remember who it was, but I'm sure it was somebody who wrote for the Mail. Uh, I might be I might be wrong on that, but I'll have to go back. I can't remember. Was it, was it Matt Law who writes could for the have, Mail? Yeah, it could have been. Oh I no, thought... it was Matt, Matt Lawton. I think Matt Law is the one who writes for the Telegraph who got everything about us wrong. Right. Yeah. And I thought it was for, and, and again, it could have just been the tweet I saw, and he writes for the Telegraph as well, Jason Burt. But yeah, yeah, like, no, that's a good point. I. Look, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think that's an interesting point to make because we've lived under this very rigid hierarchy of trustworthiness, which, by the way, I still maintain is really sad that we just have to accept that 90% of the news is fake. Uh, I hate I hate talking about fake news in our current climate, <laughs> by the way. But, um, you know, that's I first learned about it by watching Everton, you know. Um, so I think you make a good point there, like, 
what I was excited about when the athletic came along in terms of when they committed to having really dedicated journalists for each club, as opposed to a Northwest reporter who yeah. is really a, a, a Liverpool super fan. And yet we wait with bated breath for him to utter something like white smoke coming out of the Vatican. Um, I won't name names, but it rhymes with, with voice. <laughs> um <laughs> I think that what Patty and Greg have done and why I was excited about The Athletic is that they give us, while they may not be, and The Athletic, by the way, kind of established this early on, that there's, their, their role is not to be breaking news, even though they will occasionally like have someone on Twitter who will report something. But their role was to provide greater insight with long-form reporting, which I've read more good pieces from Patty and Greg this year. And I'm, I know I'm biased, you know, whatever. Um even though Patty's a jerk to me most of the time, I love him. <laughs> um, also, Rob. Also, Rob. Paddy shaved his head at the start of lockdown. He did. He did. Have a word. Have let's, a, if let's, I'm getting stick, Paddy. Gets let me. It all. No, I haven't seen him, but we'll we'll put a pin in that. But what I do enjoy <laughs> about Patty and Greg's writing is that I feel like we're getting more insight into the internal thought process of what's going on. Um, I do feel, for instance, when Patty wrote months back that Everton were genuinely interested in Hoiberg, I knew that it was true as opposed to the, you know, the just the countless just throwing stuff against the dartboard stuff that a lot of, of the media does. Having said that, on the other end of the spectrum, Matt, I also do find that there are still people who want that like part of the reason I love the window is because I do sort of enjoy the wild, wild west rabbit hole aspect of could, you know, because every once in a while that random Turkish football or Italian journalist or French, whatever, they are right. And it, not that they're always right, but they are right every once in a while. And there are some who still operate under this premise that no one can be right except for Paul Joyce or Andy Hunter. And the problem with that is twofold. One, I don't think that they get sourced in the same level of privilege as they once did a and B as we saw last summer. And I don't know if anyone really remembers this, but I track this kind of stuff. I remember Paul Joyce at times just wouldn't even, even though stuff was happening clearly with like Moise, the Moise Keen transfer and other, like he just at times wouldn't even tweet about stuff that was absolutely happening until because he, he doesn't Everton is his reporting on Everton is his job reporting on Liverpool's new under under 19 left back is his passion. And I think that that's the distinction there. Andy Hunter, Andy Hunter is a reliable reporter, but he doesn't tweet much at all. And so you do have to at times consider that there are occasionally ways to find out information, but you acknowledge that your hit and miss rate is going to be way out of whack. And that most of the time you're chasing something that may not be there. And I think that speaks to Marcel Brand's desire to sort of make it hard to find out news until there actually is news to be made. Yeah, I don't know about. Do you think that goes a long way then in terms of the the distinction there between um, the guys at the Athletic, uh, both of which uh, you know I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy reading too, um, and the guy who rhymes with boys because you said it, not me. It's Paul Joyce. Um, I don't care. Do you I'm not, look, I'm not that... taking a shot at Paul Joyce. Paul Joyce just. We, we've put him on this certain <laughs> pedestal, um, but let's be honest. He's, I don't think Paul Joyce 
is the only, he's still someone whose news we will always take seriously. But I also acknowledge that sometimes Paul Joyce isn't, uh, I think if I use this word right, he's not arsed about Everton, really. Yeah, so it's a lack of passion. Right. So that, like you've said there, so long form articles that we've poured over from the likes of, of Paddy and Greg, because because they come with that, there's like an added passion there because you know that they're rooting for whatever that the signing is or whatever the good news is in general. You know they're rooting for it yeah. too. Is that important yes, to you? I would say, no, 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 no. I want to draw this distinction. Um there are reporters who are re- good reporters who happen to be supporters of the club, but can maintain their reporting objectivity, which I think both Greg and Patty do a great job of yeah. versus a fan site who is reporting in a more editorialized fashion around, you know, wanting an outcome. For instance, I, I think, I think that Patty and, and Greg, who I, I, I know Greg a little, but not really in the way I know Patty, um, Patty, obviously wants good things for Everton, but I never question whether or not he's getting his facts right. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. He, yeah. He, he's very, and by the way, uh, that comes out in the form of the news, not always being great. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why he is uh, quote, hashtag bad news, Patty, uh, bad news, boiling. <laughs> bad news, boiling. Bad news, boiling. Um, which I will have fake news, boiling though, isn't it? I will have trending at some point. Um, but it's, but it's, yeah, I don't so so Kate just to quickly Matt before, to answer your question no I don't need them rooting and and I don't hold it against Joyce that he is a, a Liverpool super fan I'm just acknowledging the reality that you know whereas with Joyce I, if you read his reports he will report actual news about Everton so I don't want to take that away from him when he tweets something it's it's probably happening and I I give him credit for that. Mm. But if you actually read the stuff that they both write, you can that it's now granted Liverpool's also way better than we are right now. So, I mean, that's part of it. So let's not ignore, let's not deny the reality. But mm-hmm. most of Joyce's long form pieces about anything to do with Everton generally have a very specifically condescending tone about how Everton are never going to learn and they haven't learned and this player's not going to like it's kind of telling us all stuff that we know and we're willing to hear from those who already support Everton and we can we can criticize our own and we can be sad about our own but I don't need I don't need this guy whose whose favorite team is is the is the Premier League champions so uh, you know more moralizing to me in a column about Everton I just I don't want to hear it yeah. uh, but that's just me I, I'm that way Matt go ahead I know you had some thoughts no it's just also going to say what you what you, you you finished saying there to be honest in in that regard and i think a lot a lot of it's a lot of it is due to the fact that clearly people like paul joyce and, and dominic king have got other allegiances um but in, in the same breath what what are their editors telling them to do and what are those what are their editors telling them to report on you know it's it's, it's one of them where they're murder off randy and this is probably the same for, for andy hunter and i think he he probably does a better job than the other two in regards to doing balance report. And someone like Dave Prentice at the Echo as well, to be fair, I think, yeah. you know, everyone knows he's a blue. But when you read his comments about Liverpool and when you read his pieces about Liverpool, you wouldn't know it, if, you know, if you just picked up a newspaper and said that, you know, he does it fantastically well as well. But I think, I think Stroud... Phil, uh, Phil, Mc, Phil McNulty, same thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think editors at those papers are probably saying to them a lot of the time, you know, 
what's gonna what's gonna sell here? If you praise if you praise the Reds and you know you know rightly so in fairness at the moment they they do deserve praise and and you give a bit of stick to the Blues as well because most of the people who are gonna read your stuff are gonna be Reds and they're gonna come back yeah. and read your stuff. If you most put them of the, the booth. people, yeah, who screenshot yeah. it and then share it on Twitter yeah, to of rile, course, up the, and, rile us up, then yeah. And that's that's why that's why it go, you know I mean look at that look. You know, a lot of pieces to the, the those journalists write about us being negative don't really wind me up that much because ultimately, if they're giving everything stick, they probably deserve it because they, they have been poor and done a lot of things wrong down down the years. You know, in yeah, the main, saying anything new. I mean, no, a lot but, of times I'm just that's my biggest criticism is like, no. yeah, I'm quite aware of how much money was wasted on Jordan Pickford, but again, Danny Classen or whatever. You know, I get it. It goes back to what what's the editor telling them to write about. Yeah. You know, it, you know that 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 for me. But the, the one that annoyed me, I think, was the Richarlison one by Paul Joyce earlier this season, where it was effectively a hatchet job, and allowed to get kicked kicked up the backside every single week. And there was no context in regards to the amount of fouls. There's no look at the amount of penalties he got this season. It was effectively saying this lad needs this this lad needs to get up off his arse and, and do more. And if you actually look at his performances, look at the goals he scored, look at the goals he's created this season. And the way he's dragged Everton through football matches on his own. And look at the way in which he's responded to that piece being levelled at him and all the other things that have been levelled at him since he comes to this football club. Maybe maybe there should be more of a focus on, on that sort of thing. But I think what, what we're seeing now is that it's a it's a change in landscape in the media world as well. You know, Greg has come from a background of the Echo and, you know, he's, he's still relatively young in regards to his reporting. Paddy's obviously a bit younger. These are lads who have come through in journalism and I've, I've, I've done things differently and are used to differently and they can do podcasts that they can talk they're savvy yeah. on social media they know how to interact with fans the, the modern day supporter who goes to the match and doesn't just go to the match as a pint and then picks up the, the you know the football pin because it used to be in the echo or pick up the newspaper on monday they go on the phone straight away and they read things from from twitter and they want they want the instant reaction you know that that's why i'm always conscious about getting or instant match reaction show out within an hour after the game because most people now want to shoot, want to consume their content on the way home. They don't have to do it when they pick up the Times or the Mail or the Guardian on a Monday morning. You know, a few days after the game, they want it straight away. And I think that's where someone like Paddy and someone like Greg are a lot more savvy with that sort of thing. And I think that reflects in their reporting around transfers as well. You know, they they don't say much when it comes to transfers, but if they do put something out, it's. It's important, and you and you know there's veracity to it, and you know it's been well reported. And I think, in in fairness, that's probably true for for, for Dominic King, Paul Joyce, etc. But I think where they've developed their reputation on transfers down the years is by only saying something every now and then, but you know it's going to be true. Paddy and Greg can do it now, where when they something you know say something about Everton, you know it's true. But um, here's here's a great piece um, which I've right. done with Greg. on it. Yeah, which which you know. Which which Greg did this week about Reese Jones, you know, there's that side to it as yeah, well. Where yeah, Greg exactly. was supposed to Reese, Reese Jones's family, uh, where Paddy's done one uh, analytical one about Richarlison this week as well. It's not just the transfer side of it. We're saying what we say about transfers, what we're telling you is true. But here's here's all the analysis, and here's all the colour pieces around Everton, and here's an interesting story from a player, and here's an interview from a player that you might not have heard of as well. And I think that's why people are sort of resonating with those with the, those lads now, because the stuff they're doing is it's the you know there's context and colour to it, it's constant, and there's veracity to it. It's sort of it's sort of bringing everything together, and and you know credit credit to both of them. I think that's why they're sort of. You know, setting the bar and sort of trailblazing it now when it comes to Everton coverage and you know, knowing Greg and knowing Paddy as we do, it's it's not a huge surprise. 
Yeah, Kate, I think Matt brings up a really good point, that, which I think is something you can certainly appreciate, which is the way that people not only consume but expect to consume news has changed so much in regards to how quickly uh, that news can come out. So, uh, you know, Matt brought up the idea of having that, that post-match quickly so that out quickly so that they can you know, effectively after they've gone to the gone to get a pint after the game, they can go listen to it on their way home. Yeah, um, yeah. That's been a staple here since I was a kid. Every major sport like the local station here would have like a post game show mm-hmm. so that that, you know, a lot of times it was caller driven where people would call in and talk about it and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's 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 even above and beyond that. It's it's being able to. Uh, you know, as a as a, someone who's in media or someone who's reporting, you, you can't just be one thing anymore. In most cases, you you have to, you know, you can be a reporter, but you're expected as Patty and Greg are to to be able to have a conversation on a podcast or potentially now to do more video. Um, you know, you see you see people like, uh, and I know this ends up being kind of blue room centric, but you know, Sarah Halpin kind of built her own kind of niche by doing a combination of social media and, and YouTube and uh, you know. I think everyone is just kind of finding their niche now and and the concept of this old hierarchy of who is which reporting is of value uh, versus those that is not. I think I think people have to kind of reconsider what that looks like. Yeah, I think um, the notion of journalism and integrity going hand in hand is like is just not something that people can can really get their heads around anymore because we've been fed so much crap. Um, like really big, meaningful crap over the last few years. Um, it's quite timely. I'm just about to join uh, the City of Liverpool College as a journalism lecturer uh, next month. Oh, nice. It Congrats. Is, uh, all change. Um, completely all change. Um, I mean, I, I uh, got my NCTJ, uh, my journalism qualification in, uh, specifically in the sport pathway um, in 2016. So it wasn't a million, million years ago, um, despite writing before then. And the, the rule of thumb was you're either first or you're last. So if, if you take a sport pathway and if you're sat in the dugout or, or wherever you are, depending obviously what level it is, um, your match report has got to be done and filed with your editor within 12 minutes of the final whistle. Uh, and that's everything. That's 90 you know, plus minutes worth of action um, and an overview within 12 minutes. And if you don't do it, you never get that gig again. It's as simple as that. Um, but now it's not just your match report. It's not just your 250 words that you've, you've got to write and get in and for it to be succinct and make sure you get everything correct. Obviously, you've got to be able to tweet it. And that starts from the minute you get to the ground as a journalist. You know, I'm here. You, you know that what, uh, what information I'm going to give you is, um, uh, you know, has got quality to it because you can see that I'm here. It's accountability from, mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Um, and I think for you to, um, to amass a following now, um, of any kind of quality, it does come down to integrity. Um, and I think that you've got to, as a journalist, you've got to give something of yourself. And, and I've, I've just heard it then listening to the two of you talking about Paddy and Greg, whose work I read myself, but not, probably not as much as yourselves, is that you talk about them as opposed to the athletic you know, so you, yeah, you're getting something of the journalist as well, you know, as, as well as, as the, the publication that they they represent. Um, and that and that's what matters. I mean, you'll, you've seen that yourselves. There'll be various, um, you know, kind of general news reporters, as it were, um, on Twitter that you probably won't give the time of day because you know that they'll have, you know, they'll have had a, an outspoken opinion on something or, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have shared something. And I'm not saying that people don't make mistakes, but everything that you share in that public realm is obviously then a reflection of you. Um, and I think to get that right now in 2020 is really, really difficult, which is why I think that the likes of, of Paddy and Greg and their stock can, can only rise. 
I think well, that's... Sorry, just to make one, oh, one more point yeah. on that, Rob, as well. I think that's that's why I think the, the athletics model, in some respects, I think as well, is sort of a concession that it's really hard for you to go one day, right, I want to be a respected sports journalist who doesn't share transfer news and, you know, share black stuff and make incendiary comments and make wild comments, etc., yeah. etc. Because what they've effectively done is they've looked at the, some of the most established people in the respective fields in football in this country and around the world. And I, I, know, I think this applies to the NFL and basketball and all the other stuff they covered as well. And they've looked at those people who've gone, right, who are the best in the industry and who are the most respected in the industry? What we're going to do is we're just going to go and get you. You know, you're, you're already established as you know a reputable voice. How much do you want to come and write for us? And I think that yeah. that's effectively what they've done with, with a lot of people yeah. there. You know, it's not necessarily. And I don't know if this will be something that they graduate to in a, in a few years when they are established in this country. And I don't know if it's something they've done in the states, but it's not them saying, right, we're going to bring you through on an internship and, and build you up yeah. as a journalist and teach you the right things, and you know, eventually you'll become a, a senior writer for us. It's them going to other places. Over, over, over podcasts, over YouTube channels, and saying, "Right, you're an established voice. Come and do that for us." And I think that, in some respects, is a concession of, of the industry we're in now because it, it, it's it's hard to make a, a splash as it is. Yeah. Without, you know, if, if if we wanted to make this podcast now, go out and listen to by as many people as possible, we would just get someone to say something mad about one of Everton's players, and I'll clip that up as a thirty-second little thing. I tag the player in it and share it, and we probably get more listens to the show than we have done for, for the, than any show this year because it'll go it'll go around the houses and people listen to it. But that's not what we're about. But there are people out there who are about that and will look to shout down a camera or fill the void of a mad comment or share a crazy transfer rumor because that's the way it is, and that's why it's so hard. You've got you've got those two competing factors. But just sort of like what I said, I think I think the athletics model and the way in which they've done it which has been great and obviously been well-received, but it is sort of a concession of the fact that, right, it's hard to, to go from being a, mm. a you know someone who's green out of journalism school into being someone who's really well-respected because the industry is so cluttered with garbage at the moment and there's so much noise on social media that that pathway has just become so blurred. Well, the video, no, the video the... plays into that as well. Sorry, Rob. With, with no, video right. becoming so much more prevalent now, you, you become the, the face as well as the voice you know, you can't or now you can't just be, um, you, you know, the, the you know, the voice of, of Everton in the Premier League, if you like, or um, you, you've, you've got to be able to put a face to that voice as well, because it's expected now, you know, that, that like you've said, you know, it's a jack of all trades. So it's video, it's podcasting, you know, it's, it's print, it's, you know, X, Y and Z. And all of that is taught across the NCTJ spectrum now as well. It's expected of you. So you have to have that level of, of passion to, you know, to want to drive to either find something new or um, whether it's a new platform or, or to, find a, to find a way to make yourself heard with integrity to, to, to make that kind of splash. Because otherwise, you look, you know, it's 20 years worth, worth of hard slog or an opportunity for a new platform like The Athletic, you know, for them to come and say, come and do that for us. It, it, it's really, really difficult and that's got to be the overriding message when you go in to teach this kind of stuff as well as just go listen, that it's really rare that you get that opportunity. But integrity is everything. You can't afford to sell out, you know, for, for the sensationalism, for clickbait, if you want to do it, this in the is, long term. It is, I think it is for us, Kate, in this conversation, but a lot of people it won't be. Good. And I think this is where 
the industry sort of shaped it into a fact that clicks and advertising are everything now. It's, and people, it's everything that's wrong. And, and people, you know, that's why I always find it quite, feel quite harsh when people like pile on someone who's wrote like something for, for the Echo or for like another Reach thing or something like that, where it's clear they've been told by their editor, you need to put this piece together about something inane and ridiculous. And they'll have gone into that position thinking this this could be my break in journalism and I've got to pay my dues and, you know, it's so hard to get a, a job in anything now. And they're being told by someone who's more senior than them, you, you've got to write this because we need to hit this target on, on page views or we need this much re- revenue for advertising. And they'll go into that and they'll do it. And that's why I think you get so many ridiculous transfer things. And yeah. going back to what, what you said, Rob, in regards to sometimes it's people just rule these things off out of hand. It's because you get, you get so many of those and it's just... It's such a, it's such a horrible thing to, to have to deal with. But ultimately, transfers drive football media now. You know that's why we've oh, got to, yeah. you know that's why we've got a transfer show ultimately, Rob, because people want to listen to us talking about transfers. Um, <laughs> you know, for some reason, I'm not, not entirely sure why, but it is the it is the most driving thing. Um, and I feel sorry for people coming into jail as we take those those you know take those roles and feel as though it's you know it could be a break for them and, they, and they've got to hit that because ultimately there'll be somebody above them saying we need to hit this target when it comes to page views and there'll be somebody above that person saying well your page as a whole hasn't hit that number so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dog eat dog thing at the moment it is um, and it's, it's it's everything well, that's wrong so everything that's wrong with it yeah and and that and again this is i don't want this to devolve into a commercial about the athletic but what i will say is that <laughs> this does speak to whether it's the athletic or other uh websites and news organizations who are looking at what you're saying kate and saying that clickbait is the problem because it creates uh conflicts of interest in regards to the integrity of reporting um, because your motivations are now skewed towards getting a click versus actually reporting anything of true value or, or, or accuracy. Um, you know, the athletic came along and said, look, we're going to have no ads and we're going to have no clickbait, but the, in exchange, you do have to pay something. And that's, there's a lot of people who are resistant because they just feel like everything should be free. Um, but as it, there is a point where you have to say that, you know, if something is of value, then it's worth paying for um, yeah. to a degree, you know, like not every, not everything. And some things are tied to, you know, tied to other factors. And I understand that, mm-hmm. but um, with, I, I think the other thing too, that that's come out of this conversation, it's made me realize too, is that when you guys are talking about, you know, Matt was talking about kind of the changing landscape with uh, maybe the value of what Greg or Patty's reporting being is, is maybe different now or is more elevated i think that's also because we're moving in journalism from reporting to analysis more uh Mm -hmm. because um it's scary guys you want to talk about the terminator to uh judgment day hellscape um now there are bots that can write game summaries espn has been utilizing this where a, a computer can shoot out a game summary of or a match report really easily people are going to be very replaceable you don't need a human being to tell you what happened in a match anymore like it's amazing how smart these things can be so now it's what can what of value can a journalist bring well a lot of times that 
that is analysis. And, and look, I, I, I do respect the hustle of those who, and I try not to, to, you know, belittle or make fun of anyone who's just starting their own blog and saying, I'm going to start here. I'm going to write, I'm going to do my thing. Uh, Matt, our guest that's coming on uh, tomorrow for transfer is a testament to that. Sometimes you just have to go out there and create something for yourself. Um, We talked about Sarah doing that before. Um, I, I think that, I, you know, one of the best examples I can think of too, and this will be my last, my last point on this is that, um, you know, there is a, a local reporter here in Oklahoma city named Royce young, and he is one of the, um, main ESPN, uh, NBA writers now, but, um, he started off when the Oklahoma city thunder moved here from Seattle, you know, for the NBA, he just started a blog, like a blog spot basic ass blog, but he committed to writing every single day and putting that content out there just as Twitter was hitting. And he basically just earned it through writing interesting things and doing good reporting. And he was, you know, and and it just to the point where then that turned into being part of one of the blog networks. And then that turned into ESPN buying that blog network. And then it turned into him being an on-camera reporter and a senior writer. People have to create, sometimes you have to Obviously, the educational component, like you talked about, is important, Kate. But a lot of us, and and I think people like Matt and Dave and Patty, and a lot of us can just relate to having to go out and create their own thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I'm really creating anything other than just my, I just, all I really care about is having a little tiny, affectionate, semi-relevant spot on Everton Twitter, just because I have fun. I have fun with it. And luckily, this is not my job, and I don't need this to be how I make an income or anything like that. But I will say that... That the landscape is changing, and, and I think getting back to the original point, the assumptions we make about what, what is good quality reporting and what is the truth out there are things that are, are kind of a, a moving target, and we always have to just acknowledge it as the world changes, that our assumptions have to change along with it. Well, guys, we've gone way over time. I can't <laughs> believe Matt's, Matt hasn't even given me the hook signal or anything yet at this <laughs> point, but this has been a blast. Uh, I love I love talking uh, weird big picture stuff. I, I love how we've gone from talking about um, I guess Kate's service station stories to um, <laughs> blue blue whale. See, and if, if I if I put that as the title of this show, people oh, yeah. would people would listen to it. People yeah. would tune in. Kate's wow. Kate, you know, because we're talking about the weather, like Kate's hot and steamy top five Kate's service hot and steamy stories. service station stories. Oh, it'd be glorious! But uh, I'm not even fighting yeah. it anymore. Hey, you're <laughs> again. And one of them just said, "Don't click fades," and now you're there. We go. There we, we will do. Matt, we'll, we'll put it as Kate talks about shaving <laughs> and her hot and steamy <laughs> service <laughs> station stories. Wow, I love when Matt's had a few drinks. He gets really, he gets really uh, titillating here. I love it. Um, Great, creative cogs are flowing. Yeah, but see, that's the point: is we can have this really thoughtful, intelligent conversation, and ultimately, Matt can be like, "I think we should just boil this down into Kate, Kate shades or something." Bursting with integrity, right there. Yeah, that's that's us. What did I say there that wasn't true? Hey, he's right, (laughs) Kate. I mean, technically, he's right. So. Well, guys, as always, this has been fantastic. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, we've got, as always, throughout uh, this off season or this break, as Patty probably calls it, uh, we've got tons of content uh, coming up on the Blue Room. Uh, we uh, obviously our weekly shows, subscribers weekly. I know we'll start a new season of the Elevens at some point here pretty soon, as well as um, you know, I, there may be once we have more transfer news. Well, I, I, we're doing a transfer pod tomorrow. Uh, who can Matt? We talk a little 
bit about our guest tomorrow. Yeah, it's, uh, for uh, Michael recording. Michael Greenall, who does a lot of stuff with Toffee Analysis. Um, it's first time coming on the show. He did like a really big deep dive piece into Everton's um, transfer um, needs and what they need to be after and the sort of players they need to be after. So it uh, should be really good to get him on, actually. Um, should be insightful for us, I imagine, Rob, more than anything. Yeah, he's... Look, for those of you who are... Uh, like me, and you want to learn more about what what types of play, even if it's not the, there's not intelligence there about that these are definitely our targets, but he's giving you good prototypes in terms of these are the types of players that we should target. Here are reasons why. Here are some statistical stuff. Without it feeling overwhelming, I think he strikes a really great balance in his pieces on that. Uh, we'll, we'll tweet some of those, I'm sure, tomorrow as well, or whenever, you know, around the time when we're uh, doing it. But if you get a chance to read any of his pieces, they're really good. So looking forward to that um obviously mailbag uh, coming up on the on, on blue room extra we got all kinds of content content is king uh the guy who who coined that phrase by the way uh sumner redstone just died yesterday by the way so whenever i say con- he the was quote the guy who was is horrible the quote about him is horrible what content is king the uh, oh it's something no somebody helped somebody else rather had written um like a, some, somebody quite prominent and written something about him and it's just like oh and now he's content or something like that the poor guy's oh. dead well <laughs> it's, like, oh. well that's, well, that's it's on that's, twitter I, somewhere. it's not content i just anyway that's yeah, the, yeah. that's i was trying to be newsy and, and that's what i get so um anyway guys it's been fun we'll see you guys again next week for more kickabout take care At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Like our Italian sub, piled high with Genoa salami, pepperoni, and Virginia honey ham. Or our Firehouse meatball sub with zesty marinara, both with melted provolone and Italian seasoning. Your choice, just $6.99 each for a medium and only for a limited time at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your order. Sports Social Podcast Network.